Welcome to Film Grain, the official podcast of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania and the Greater Erie Film Office. We're coming to you during the COVID-19 pandemic. Each of us are recording from home. This week, we've got news about our Film Grain Dinner and a Movie Partners, The Bourbon Barrel. Our film under quarantine is St. Francis. We'll catch up with filmmaker Jesus Munoz, who is our first guest 50 episodes ago and we'll share our thoughts on the feature film, The Lighthouse, which is available on Amazon Prime. I'm Erica Berlin, Executive Director of the Film Society of Northwestern PA. I'm John Lyons, filmmaker, teaching artist, and Director of Programming for the Film Society. I'm Stuart Nash, Cinematographer Guild member and the Director of the Greater Erie Film Office. I'm Jesse Olszewski, filmmaker and project coordinator at the Greater Erie Film Office. I'm Mike Berlin, Erica Berlin's husband. And we're here with Jesus. I'm Jesus Munoz, Mike Berlin's arch nemesis. Ooh. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> Filmmaker and grip. I believe we're doing a bit of a roast of Mike tonight. Uh... Oh, no, no. We can't do Mike like that. Uh, <laughs> old man. Happy uh -huh. birthday, Mike. Mike <laughs> uh... The birthday roast. What are you hitting, 60 now, Rabbi? <laughs> I'm a lot of bagels. <laughs> well, I think I've said this before, but I just have to thank Erica Berlin for taking you're such a nice homeless person in. When I first met Mike, I was like, I can't believe she's like dating this guy. Oh, she's so nice, you know? And then I was like, oh. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, happy birthday to you, Mikey. Thank you, Paul. Happy birthday to the white Jeffrey Wright. Yes, yes. <laughs> He's uh, so funny. We were just commenting about that because like, he's doing these Dell commercials right now, and uh, it's like I miss my beard. Whenever I look at Jeffrey Wright, I, miss <laughs> I don't miss your beard. I think that Mike looks great right now. He's clean shaven. His hair's getting a little long with little flippies. His hair's naturally wavy, which you may not know. I think it's quite cute. What else do you like about him? He's a cutie. What else do I like about him? Mm -hmm. <sighs> well. I thought Cheetos. this was a roast. What don't you like <laughs> yeah, about yeah. Just I was going to say, what don't I like about Mike? Well, one of the things about Mike that I can always roast him on, kind of picking up on what Stu said, is that he will wear clothes until they're literally falling off of his body. Yeah, very He'll also wear clothes clothing. that no longer fit him, but he will still wear them. So it could be like a skin-tight rugby, <laughs> rugby <laughs> jersey with holes all over the place. I'm, I'm and like, to like the, pit, the armpits are like crusty. He will this still wear that. He will still wear that and not think twice about wearing it like out to dinner or somewhere where you may not want to look like a homeless person. Yeah, when you can squeeze or fold the pit over and it'll just stay like that in that shape. That's, <laughs> I got a couple of those. I got a couple of those. I'm not ashamed to admit it. He has those, yes. <laughs> Oi. Oi, oi. So how's everybody doing? Evie looks really stressed out. <laughs> Jesus, you're in Pittsburgh. How, how's things in, in the big city? Um, not too bad. Uh, been working at this uh, horse ranch for like almost a month now, just trying to stay busy. Work there like every day for like six hours. So it's pretty cool. That's wow. cool and was very yeah. unexpected. Yeah, very unexpected, but also true to my roots. <laughs> <laughs> okay did you grow up on a farm uh no my dad did though he's a cowboy filmmaker cool. 
Well, then you know all about the pits that you can fold over. Come on. I wore some of my best, my best uh, clothes examples during my farming days for sure. Lots of, lots of holes and pits. I was just completing the unearthed storyline for my nice. character. There you go. <laughs> oh yeah. That's right. You really fleshed it out. That's. <laughs> were you a corn picker as well? Yeah, I was a yeah. corn picker. These two guys were. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> We we were the most ethnic looking people on set. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you were easy to cast. Yeah, <laughs> man. Oh man. Uh, well, cool. What about uh, you, Stu, on the boat? Uh, I am officially on the boat. We are officially in the water, and it's cold as hell. And unfortunately, I might as well announce it here. Uh, you have me for another month at least because the Erie Canal is closed. So it looks I'm sticking around a little bit longer. You're up in your heads, aren't you? Darn oh, it. Darn it. Yeah, uh, darn it. Darn it. Darn it. That, yeah, I'm gone. happy too. I'm happy. I'm not happy for you. I know you wanted to be like gone, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, we did. We wanted to be long gone. But anyways, you know, what are you going to do? The thing is, though, nobody's working. Absolutely nobody's working. I'm sure we'll talk about that, but and how that's all going to play out. And who's working or starting to work? And it's not in the U.S. It's in uh, foreign countries. But um, but yeah, I don't know. It almost seems like it might be a little opportunistic uh, in the fact that I've taken this stretch to do what I'm doing on the boat. And then when the time we get into like a port around the fall time, perhaps maybe production will start back up more in depth. That's where I am. Anybody else? Erica, Mike, did you guys load up on some local adult beverages over the past week? We did, actually. Um, well, so last yeah. night. So I put out a post on Facebook because I have an enormous jade plant. Jade has lots of big branches over the years, like decades. It grows really big and you get little, little plants that grow off of it. And we're slimming down. As you know, we're moving out of our house and we're scaling back a lot. So our, um, our jade plant, I figured why not trim it back and have pieces of it go to all of our friends. I did this with our aloe plant before. I put it out on Facebook. Hey, anyone wants to stop by and cut a piece off of jade, you're welcome to. So our friends, Hannah and Sam, uh, Hannah Kirby and, and Sam uh, stopped by last night and we sat outside. Uh, we were an appropriate, I don't know, six feet, like I didn't measure, but we were, sure. the four of us well, sat together outdoors, yeah. roughly six feet apart, and we drank some beers. Nice. Mike didn't pull out the tape yeah. measure. <laughs> well, I know the table is like, the table is almost like a six by six table, actually, so. That's kind of how I knew we were more than, oh, okay. a little more than six feet, actually. So yeah. All right, excellent. We won't be turning you in this week. <laughs> Jesse, yourself, what have you been doing? No, just working at the local grocer. That's Loving it. that. How yeah. how is it working for Wegmans? Uh, it's good. Everyone's super nice. Actually, the the people that come in are. I feel like they've been doing it for a while. They like understand the extra procedures that Wegmans takes. And You're the new kid. I am. I'm like, what's this produce code? I have no idea. <laughs> Get a load of the fucking new guy. Oh, dude, I would not have liked that. Oh, what's lettuce? Lettuce is 4403. Or is that a or is that freaking? I know banana. 
when you want it like is it like Shawshank and everybody just chants like fresh fish or something fresh, like that? Fresh, <laughs> fish, fresh no, fish. this is like the complete opposite where they treat you like extra nice because you're new. Everyone there is very pleasant. Like Kool-Aid pleasant, culty pleasant. <laughs> Well, they said if uh, I make 30 days, I can come to the meetings. Okay. No, they didn't say that. <laughs> we know what that yeah. means. We know it's, what a that means. it's a cult. It's a cult. <laughs> is it Spaceship Earth or is <laughs> it like Nash the Branch Davidian? Like, yeah. which one is it? <laughs> yeah, Spaceship Earth. We'll okay. talk about that too. Yeah. So, Erica and I, uh, and you guys may have noticed that recently on Facebook there was some news posted by our partners, our good friends at the Bourbon Barrel. Erica, you want to uh, share yeah, some so, updates there? So last week, you know, in general, we're always thinking about film grain. We're in the yellow phase here in PA. We're hoping to get to a phase where you can go to restaurants again because film grain is a restaurant. We started talking to the Bourbon Barrel. What can, you know, how can we bring film grain back to life under new regulations. So we spoke last Friday. Then the next day, there was a post on Facebook that the bourbon barrel was for sale. And uh, we we panicked a little bit because um, we thought that that was the end uh, of film grain. We thought, you know, it's for sale. They're closing right now. That's what we thought. So after a weekend of like milling this over and talking to our board chair, Dole. After me crying in the fetal position. That's right. After that, we were like, oh, so we had a meeting with them this afternoon. And so the news, which is good, is that they are not closing down. They are not uh, ending any programming. And in fact, the film grain as a program is one that is one of the most viable uh, for them because we can separate people out. We can sit the appropriate distance apart. We can figure out different ways to provide food and like order drinks and stuff. But we, John and I talked through all of that. The good news is yes, they are not closing down. They are very excited and continuing to work with us. And as soon as we're ready, we're allowed, we are going to uh, restart Film Grain. All of the people who bought tickets in February <laughs> for films, those tickets are gonna be good for our movies. Very good, yes. Where's the post come from? Out of curiosity, then. Well, yeah, so the Facebook wonderful post news, does... Wonderful, it, wonderful news. Yeah, it does exist, and it was posted by the Bourbon Barrel. So what it doesn't clarify is that um, they are looking for a new partner. You know, the ownership is split between some people, and um, they have a vacancy there. So they're looking for a new partner to continue forward with them. They assured us that nothing is changing this is just like um, business as usual and they're looking for some help so um, right. if anybody awesome. out there listening wants to uh, join in the journey of the bourbon barrel give them a shout so as erica alluded to we we spoke with them recently about um you know how reopening can look and how uh film grain dinner in a movie can look going forward and we're excited about um you know, the potentials there. So what seemed to be the world collapsing, not so bad. I mean, obviously businesses are struggling, right? Um, and we can get into, get into this um, probably as we talk with Jesus about the industry at large and looking forward. But um, thankfully, none, none yet in Erie, as far as we know. Fight continues. And where Stu, do we did go? the boat sink? 
<laughs> Slight yeah. emergency in the bilge. Had to go pump it out. Just say, do, do people know that you are not at a in a home? That you are on a boat. The boat is your home. Does boat everybody realize this? I gotta tell you that that boat home is a lot nicer than pretty much all my apartments in New York City. So Stu's in uh, quarantine currently in his boat. Um, this is, for the moment, uh, this Wednesday night is our last film under quarantine. So film under quarantine is our virtual theater series. This week's film is a fantastic independent film called St. Francis. And I hope that you all come and check it out with us this Wednesday for our panel discussion. Um, we're going out on a really, really good indie. So it's about a flailing 34-year-old who finally catches a break and meets a nice guy and lands a nannying job of a six-year-old. Her name is Frances. But an unwanted pregnancy introduces unexpected complications. It looks at all kinds of women's issues, the whole kitchen sink, and navigates them all, um, I would say, with much, much skill. The script was also written by the star, Kelly O'Sullivan, and it covers everything with empathy, humor, and grace. It's a really, really great film. Can't say enough about it. It's got a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, so the critics love it too. I think it will be a real crowd pleaser as well. Tickets are available on our website, filmsocietynwpa.org, and our Facebook page. It's $12 per household. Just click the tickets link, make your purchase. You've got 72 hours to watch it, and also on that link as well um, is where you can find the link. To our panel discussion which is this Wednesday at eight o'clock through Zoom. 50% uh, of the proceeds go to the Film Society so you're helping us out during these tough times so join us. up next hey zeus yes sir so i i was re-listening to the first episode today which was back in march of last year and we heard you Two talk about ago. right not this past march the march before and unearth had wrapped and we talked a little bit about you working on crew for that and then gearing up was uh of course undercover billionaire which we were calling American Dream at that point. I know. But I know you, uh, you worked on that project. So from around two marches ago up until now, tell us a little bit about your journey, what you, where you've been, what you've worked on. So um, after Undercover Billionaire came um, Floribama season three, I believe. So I went down to Florida for like, say about two months. and. Uh, yeah, it was like kind of a Jersey Shore type show. Younger cast, of course. And then... Um, Is there, did you film at the Florida Bama Bar? The Florida Bama Bar? Yeah, like the big one that's like right on the beach. Like right in, in between the borders. Oh, we were in uh, St. Saint, uh, Pete's Beach. Okay. We were in St. Petersburg, yeah. So, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think we were there. 
Okay. Okay. There's a very famous bar that's like right, like like half of it's in Florida, half of it's in Alabama, and it's. Ah, uh, okay. That would have been cool, though. It's a, it's a, it, it's a shit show. Yeah. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. <laughs> but then um, after after Florida, went back up to Jersey and filmed a couple seasons of uh, Jersey Shore. So I stayed in New Jersey for about two months too, as well. Wait, Jersey Shore is still on? It's yeah, it's, uh, it's Jersey Shore family vacation. So they always do the va- uh, the family vacation stuff. It was, it was fun. Uh, I was there whenever uh, Mike got released from jail. So it was pretty cool seeing him like come back from jail and stuff. He did like eight months. He did like eight months in jail for tax evasion because he didn't want to rat out his brother. Well, his brother was the one who committed the, the crime. So he didn't want to rat him out. So he did couple months and i'm sure blue collar jail and so these (laughs) these reality shows you worked on what capacity were you working like what department uh for the jersey shore stuff i worked uh i was like an ac and then for the floribama stuff i was just uh uh croupier so an ac is assistant camera Uh, how big were the crews there was like there's like eight crews and they're around the clock. We filmed 24 hours. Yeah. Wow. Reality. Yeah. Reality. So there was four crews at all times at like any given point. So it was pretty, it was a pretty big crew. Well, and then the last time we recorded, you were just finishing up your, so now that you've got your feet wet in a real working film industry, would you say you're, you're wiser? Have you learned anything? Oh yeah. I would say, I would say, I would say so for sure. Um, wiser in a sense that, uh, you know, I kind of, I kind of, I just know the ropes a little bit better. You know, I know how to, I know who, who to talk to and just how to navigate on set basically, you know? So mm-hmm. it was definitely a big help. Any advice you could give to some aspiring crew workers or people in film school that want to get to where you are out in the, the working world? I would say, the great advice of uh, Stuart Nash, <laughs> shut up and, and work. That's it. <laughs> keep, your, keep your mouth shut and work because I promise you people, people will notice that and people like, they like that. They like that. You could come on set, you know, you don't have to be told constantly, like told to be doing something, you know, you kind of know what you're doing and yeah, you just work your butt off basically. Well, Jesus, talk talk a little bit about your union application and how many union gigs you've worked so far uh, since landing down in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm at uh, I'm at 26 days right now. Um, I need four more, and then I'll be officially in the union. But it's the Grip and Electric Union. Grip and Electrics Union, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. And you've now worked on Dear Zoe. You worked on uh, Sweet. Dear Zoe, and then Sweet, Sweet. Girl, yeah two feature films that were shot in the Pittsburgh area, right? Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yep. Very cool. And as Pretty you awesome. know, I mean, that was a new experience for me working down on Pittsburgh uh, on that uh-huh. feature also. And networking was key. And networking is what now is getting you all the rest of the work. And like you had mentioned Matt Valeri earlier, uh, yeah. great guy to know. He's definitely the guy who's going to help get you work. Um, and yeah, good job. I applaud you. You've come a long way, young man. thank you i appreciate it i appreciate it seriously and i couldn't have done it without you guys seriously i mean you Stu, 
Mike, Jason, the, you know, you, you guys all gave me the opportunity and you, you guys saw the potential on me and, you know, really, really. I mean, we were on. drunk. I appreciate it. Oh, no. I appreciate <laughs> it. It's all, the, it's all the booze and drugs. It was all the booze. <laughs> we had to, you know, we I had to. I want to thank you guys because not a lot of, you know, a lot of people are scared to share, you know, their wisdom because of, you know, they don't want to be taken over by the, you know, the young guy or whatever, but. Right, right. Yeah, we had to fist fight the uh, PM on on Earth to uh, get you on our crew. Oh, <laughs> We're like that kid. He's on our crew. Our crew. We're calling him. <laughs> he's ours. Wise. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Yes. So Jesus, so how with, has twenty? How has twenty twenty been? What's What's going on in the world in twenty twenty? Uh, it's been probably the worst start to a year in recent history, I would say. <laughs> no, 2020 was okay. I mean, I was still working on Sweet Girl up until um, February. And then that's when everything kind of kicked in with this, with the virus and stuff. And um, Sweet Girl finished production or no? Yeah, yeah. Sweet, Girl's, Sweet Girl finished like the second week of February, I believe. So it was, yeah, it was pretty cool. And then normally you would have been waiting to find out on the next gig, I would assume. Well, Matt Valeri was supposed to get, uh, I think it was either second or third unit for Rust, uh, Showtime show. Okay. And that was supposed to start filming in March. Pittsburgh? Yeah, in Pittsburgh as well, yeah. That's and that was going to be like a three-month-long show. That was going to be a solid couple months of work. Jeff Daniels' crime series. He's the local sheriff. So, and actually they are talking, there's articles in the paper already and they're discussing what they're going to do. Cause they want to obviously hit the ground and right. start producing. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So but what's yeah. going on and keep my fingers crossed. Hopefully they still do it. Yeah. I was going to say oh, well. Stu and, and Jesus, what's, what's the word in Pittsburgh? What's right now it's, you know, we're waiting on the rust news and then, Oh, I forgot to mention too, uh, late February, uh, I was helping this one guy, local rapper here. His name is Frizzy. I was helping him uh, make this little short. It's called uh, The Sword. And uh, they're pitching it, I guess, to HBO or Showtime, another uh, channel like that, I think. If that works out, I mean, he said he's, he wants to take everyone that worked on the crew to wherever they want to go to go film the, film the show, which should be awesome. Nice. Where'd you film yeah. that? Uh, right here, actually, in uh, New Kensington. It was pretty It was pretty cool. Uh, the best boy, Grip, was the one who told me about it. And he said, he's, he's like, if you're not doing anything, he's like, you're more than welcome to come out and help. He's like, obviously, we're not getting paid or anything. But if you want to come, he's like, go ahead. I'm like, heck, yeah, let's do it. I'm like, I don't care. I don't care about the pay. I just want to, I just want to work. I don't know if we wanted to get into it, but for the most part, Pittsburgh is shut down right now and Philadelphia. Matter of fact, all of the U.S. is pretty much still in shutdown and everyone's basically just talking about what guidelines or, uh, you know, practices they're going to put into place as this Hollywood reopens. Um, I can tell you through a few articles I read that uh, started up on James Cameron's uh, Avatar sequels, which I didn't realize this, but did you know there's going to be five Avatars? Yes. But, well, they're filming in this gigantic water tank, too. Right, right. I saw that. Um, but uh, New Zealand has only had 10 cases altogether. No new cases within the last, like, week or so. 
So they feel confident that they have a strong hold on uh, the country's coronavirus. And coincidentally, James Cannon is there with his uh, production team. So they're going to be start working soon. Another location that's starting to open up was Iceland and Poland. Um, again, uh, due basically to the fact that uh, they work in small communities and uh, they feel as a group themselves um, that they could, uh, you know, quarantine. And a lot of this stuff was also coming from a below the line uh, of workers, not necessarily above the line, you know, liability managers, you know, the production team and what have you. So there is still a boatload of stuff to work out before any, I would say, U.S. union film actually starts production. It's such a tough gambit because, I mean, until we're have it like a, have a vaccine or some sort of clear, like clear sort of flattening of the curve and stuff like that, nobody wants to be liable. And you would be. And yeah. it, it, like, it's the worst case scenario that you have to think about because mm -hmm. if, if you have an outbreak on your crew, then that production, which it, like John, you know about, like all, all films are their own LLC, all of a sudden you are exposed for you know, some very serious litigation. It's not an easy uh, puzzle to work out. No, well, not unless, at all. Unless you take the right precautions and that as soon as you know someone might be sick, then you shut everything down. But if someone gets sick, you can't necessarily like sue the, the production company because unless they're breaking the law, even making the film, you know? And these are all the things that are being discussed amongst all the breakdowns because you've got like DGA direct directors, the Writers Guild, the cinematographers. I mean, everybody is kind of breaking down their own structure of how they will see it uh, move forward. Fortunately, it was the art department that got the first set of guidelines out on a piece of paper. And they're kind of like leading the front as far as their, their design that was set out there. And all the designs basically kind of mirror each other or mimic in some form. But one of the newest things that uh, is going to happen is that a safety coordinator is going to be on set from now on. That everyone kind of strongly believes that a new position of a safety coordinator and that person will be a third party uh, so he can be as, uh, what do you want to say, subjective as possible um, without taking pressure from production versus crew. Uh, like having so, OSHA on set. Yeah, actually yeah, like OSHA. Uh, OSHA or uh, the Humane Society you know, when dealing with animals. So you're gonna to have to have a representative on set at all times to make sure that there's hand sanitizer, that they're dividing areas. And this is, they've talked about this, bigger tents that are air conditioned and heated so that uh, the hair and makeup's over here, actors are over here, cameras over here. As soon as the art department is done, they say we're done and then, then and only then, they come in, uh, clean it, and then the uh, grips and electrics come in and start setting lights. I mean, it's going to take up a shitload of time, I can tell you that. And it's going to take a lot of uh, practice. And I can also tell you just knowing it's money, but it's also, it's going to be all, it's like, I was uh, compared to like a brand new restaurant opens up and everyone loves them and the food's great. And then about six months later, it's kind of because they didn't realize they had to, buy such good food and the food gets a little cheaper and the service starts to suck a little bit more and everyone falls back into their same old, you know, uh, work path. So, you know, we'll see what happens, but, uh, but you know, that's human nature if you ask me. So, well, Hey Zeus, it's good to catch up with you, sir. Always. You've been quite Always. busy making us proud. Trying to at least trying grow to grow up so fast. Last week, I recommended The Lighthouse, which is a movie I had not seen. I think the only person in the crew here that hadn't seen it, it or had seen it is John. Um, and so I think we all watched it 
quite recently, and I can't wait to hear what everyone has to say about it, but just as a refresher, um, The Lighthouse is directed by Robert Eggers. It's a, it's kind of a, like a surreal, psychological, um, very quarantine appropriate uh, <laughs> uh, movie. It is shot in black and white. It was 35 millimeter, right? Um, in four by three aspect ratio. Yes. Uh, starring Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. Those are pretty much the only characters in the entire movie, um, except for a few non-human characters. <laughs> I really loved this movie. I totally appreciated it for what it was supposed to do. And I, in the research that I did afterwards, I had even more appreciation for it. Uh, when I when I learned that a lot of what was happening there was very, very intentional in telling a story, um, a very old story. So I wanna hear what you have to say before I start, you know, waxing historical. I'll jump in. Yeah, I had never, I couldn't really find any film to compare this to, which made me really love it. I mean, yeah, there's a little Lord of the Flies, there's a little David Lynch, there's a little Moby Dick, but I, even, even all of those things, like this was definitely original, I thought, in its own thing. But what I really loved about it was its rich symbolism. There's reference to Homer's Odyssey and the character of Proteus, who's like the wise old seaman, which is definitely Willem Dafoe, who is like a servant of Poseidon, who was brought up many times, or they talk about Triton in the film. But um, when he curses him and he does the whole big speech, and also when there's that montage scene and you actually like see the coral growing out of him, like I just loved all that. Then there was also reference to the uh, Prometheus myth. I mean, in that story, uh, Prometheus defies Zeus and steals fire and gives it to mankind. But in this, Robert Pattinson was defying Poseidon or Triton to go up into that lighthouse and see that, that yeah. forbidden fire, which was just so cool. And then finally, um, I hadn't seen this either, but I had heard that it had a lot of Lovecraftian themes which is one of my, my favorite storytellers, H.P. Lovecraft. And a lot of his stories highlight squid-like creatures, protagonists who end up uncovering arcane secrets and going mad or insane, which I, I felt is kind of what happened to Robert Pattinson at the end there. I didn't think it was super Lovecraftian, but I totally respect this story for what it was. And it was a great choice, Erica. Oh, well, thank you. It was on my list for quite a while. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, the whole Greek mythology connection that I was fascinated to, uh, to read about. I, and then once I read about it in particular, particularly Prometheus I was like, oh, duh. I mean, even down to the final scene where he literally is laying on a rock, having his inside beaten outside yes. of the seagull. That's what happens to Prometheus. Which is exactly what happens to Prometheus. He's strapped to a rock for all time, from all time and an eagle has to eat his liver out like every, every day for all I time. Totally, yeah, I didn't even think of that. I missed that. Good call. Yeah, it, it was pretty direct. I mean, that was a direct connection. I just, you know, these two, these two characters are isolated out on this island. You don't know where. My, from, the mo from the first scene, 
I actually really, really just loved the scene where the two of them are standing at the bow of the boat. Uh, uh, the bow of the boat. Bow, uh, that's the front. Yes, yes. And the shows prow? What is that? Uh, I'm not, is prow up, something? I'm not up on that. <laughs> Anyways, it's <laughs> the shot of them watching the, the lighthouse. They're yeah. standing at the front. They're moving toward the lighthouse. You can hear the foghorn. They're just two kind of uh, characters and they're just slightly moving. Like you can barely see them kind of moving in tandem as they're moving towards the island. And just from that shot, like, I was like, I love this. I love this already. <laughs> and um, everything after that was so damp and painful to watch in, in the mm. physical comfort sense. Every single thing that they did I, the misery that it would feel like, again, princess right here, the cold, the damp, the, the laying on like musty old cots and like using chamber Buckets pots. In. Oh yeah. You push under your bed. And yeah. then you just kick under your bed. Yeah, I'll go dump those out in the morning. The, yeah, <laughs> it's like such, such discomfort in so many ways, but uh <laughs> But I just, I don't know, it was, it had such a strong, like, physicality to it that the environment they were in was so hostile constantly that it made me feel so uncomfortable in a really good way. Yeah, you were right about the prow of the boat. There are so many terms on the boat that, yes, the prow is the front end that pushes in the, in, uh, the water line. Come on, Stu. There's a lot of words. <laughs> Stu, you're recording from on, a boat. How did I get this right? No, that was correct. That was correct. Uh, yeah, I actually had to turn the subtitles on because I wanted to know exactly what Defoe was saying the entire time. And I usually don't do that, but uh, it, it totally helped. I actually read the script today because I got about, I don't know, 60% into the movie. And I'm like, shit, I should have turned subtitles on. But then... Um, I realized eh, if I do it now, then I must have missed a bunch of stuff. So I read it instead, and that really helped because the text was so 19th century <laughs> that um, it really helped to read it as opposed to listen to it because of the way that the sentence were, sentences were structured and the words that were used. Reading it was a lot um, more, I think, poetic. Like, Jesse, you pointed out the he does this Triton speech, you know, his I did like three of those yeah, so at he, one point and those were good. Yeah, they were great. And reading them actually was just a really, really rich experience. I thought it made it better for me. Me too. Visually, I'll have to jump in here though. The camera choice, the lens choice. I did a little background on this stuff and, uh, and the LUT that they decided to use, a color filter that, to remove all the reds and the reds turned black. Uh, when he you know, processes the black and white. And it just made the visuals and the faces pop so much and all the dirt. And it was just, oh, it was just horrifically beautiful, you know? And the soundtrack, the soundtrack. The I mean, Foghorn. Yes. Oh, that I mean, was so good. Uh, Nolan, Chris Nolan has the same sort of thing that he does in his, you know? He gets that low pitch feed that just starts to build and build and build and build, you know, with the tension. The same thing with this foghorn was great, you know, and uh, it was just even the rain, just all of it. Well, the soundtrack was great. The sound design. Who's next? Jesus. What do you think? Uh, I, I was talking to Stu about it. I said, it's, 
it's definitely not my cup of tea, but uh, but it was definitely like Erica was saying, like you felt you felt the movie, like that that scene where he's just getting buried and you like see the dirt getting oh, thrown yeah. into his face. I'm like, I started like, I'm like, oh, am I taste like I'm actually tasting the freaking dirt? I'm like, oh, yeah. I was like, but yeah, there's some there's some great scenes and William Dafoe and Robert Pattinson, you know, hats off to them. They they did phenomenal. And he looks like he's eating it there too. Yeah, so you're yeah, thinking, yeah, I'm like, thinking okay, to myself, like, maybe the art department throw a little cocoa puffs in there yeah, or something yeah. like that <laughs> instead of real like, dirt. <laughs> and he's just sitting there going, I'm not, I was like, oh, <laughs> I, was like, I could Because it would make like, it more pleasurable for an actor, but I guess. Yeah. But then, you know, having real dirt in your mouth is sticking to the, what do you call it? It's that, still uh, not going to be pleasurable in the eye. And he got that shit in the eye. Yeah. He well, did. since he we're did. talking about that scene, I mean, once they started drinking, I think that's the important thing to point out here. Yeah. That um, Thomas, the lighthouse keeper, uh, William Defoe's character, yeah, he was drinking the whole time. And Ephraim, or Lad, as he's called, uh, he resists drinking. And you don't really get into why so much, but you get the sense that like he doesn't drink for a reason because drinking is a bad thing for him. And we certainly learned that drinking, yes, is a bad thing for him. Because as soon as they start like drinking together, that's when it gets really twisted um, and enjoyable. And it's just a roller coaster ride of them fighting and then like embracing each other, um, singing and fight and, and like arguing with each other. And um, it's fascinating. but. Right before he's getting buried, uh, Pattinson leads him outside and tells him to bark like a dog. That might have been the scene that was least understandable to me because... Mind split. Yeah. Oh, oh, mind split. Okay, say more. Yeah, that's that was my... Because uh, he couldn't tell what was real and what wasn't real. Like, yeah. I mean, was Defoe really there? Was... Pattinson really there you know what I mean mm -hmm. whose character I mean were they really paired up because the whole that part once the boozing started to happen and then the dog thing I thought okay because then he comes and he's like oh he helps him and then he gives him out it's almost like he snaps and then he realizes oh I'm burying this guy I gotta help him and then yeah I agree but I think it was just the the, men, the mental uh fraction or the, the, the you know instability yeah that's so what this movie two characters are one I think the director meant for it to be open-ended. Was yeah, the totally. was the entire movie in Pattinson's head, or yeah. was he crazy, or was the other guy crazy? Yeah, like a you're, Jacob's you're, ladder. You're not meant to to know. You're meant to guess. I don't know. I think it was too. Talking about That's what um, I, yeah. them, them drinking. I mean, Willem Dafoe said that boredom makes men to villains, and the only medicine is drink. Right. I love um, that. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, stupid. I, I thought, you know, all of the, um, everything aside that you guys talked about, I thought it was a great look at like men and fraternity and like brotherhood and, you know, men when we don't know each other. Like when I went to Poland for the first time, um, Dorota's brother uh, uh, took me out and I was out with people that didn't speak English very well. 
a group of men, but the way we bonded was by getting shit faced. Um, you know, like we could not really communicate between each other. It's like, (laughs) it's like a men thing where it's like, you're feeling each other out kind of a thing. And it's like a test of your masculinity or something like that. I thought, um, you know, the witch, which is Robert Eggers, uh, first film was an interesting look of like, women in patriarchal society i thought this was an interesting look of like men in private i thought it was interesting that the first human sound that you hear is uh willem dafoe farting Uh, (laughs) you know there's a lot of good a lot of good rips in that sound design um (laughs) dafoe had you were talking about reading the script erica and i really should too because i thought the writing was great like Defoe had some amazing speeches that you guys alluded to like really quite funny in in parts like he's tearing Pattinson up like for cleaning scrubbing the I forget what that yeah what was the phrase he kept saying over swab the swab the deck yeah (laughs) Yeah. swab it yeah it was was definitely some Shakespeare level dialogue yeah it was great just like just going like paragraphs of just tearing somebody a new one (laughs) sounded so great and Um, he wasn't afraid to rev up like the homoerotic tension either oh for sure which you know we can get get into some of that i think with you know men wrestling around and drinking and uh you know some things that happen when you get a little loose play some volleyball (laughs) (laughs) what does mike berlin have to say (laughs) Mike He's getting in his speedo right now. <laughs> okay, uh, so real quick, uh, it's a process called orthochromatic film uh, filming, is what it is, and they no longer make it. And what it is, it's like a special spectrum on the. It's like this is like super old school and stuff like that. But that's how it really like shows well on like highlights and whites and stuff like that. So that's how they got that texture. Um, you're so talking they, about the image, Mike. I'm talking about the image. Yes, okay. I'm sorry. And uh, a correction, they projected it in a four by three, but they shot in a one nineteen by one aspect ratio. And the other thing to keep in mind is what's really cool from a technical standpoint is that lighthouse, they built it. That was not as yeah. a, that was not something that they found or anything like that. They built it from scratch. And it makes sense. They had to have like dummy walls and everything like that to be able to actually film the way that they wanted to film. Uh, as far as the writing process, and I looked this up a little bit, because uh, I know how he did in The Witch, and they sort of did the same thing where they went back to old texts and old journals and actually bit lines and everything like that, and uh, like old poems, like uh, Hymn of the Ancient Mariner and stuff like that. There's like references happening all, all throughout there with that kind of stuff. And uh, his writing style is to sort of go back and read how people used to talk and sort of communicate and then he they'll take actual lines from people's journals and diaries and stuff like that so there is uh they have a interesting sort of uh methodology of how they handle their writing uh the lighthouse uh the locals this was shot in nova scotia and new york uh and the locals wanted actually a petition to keep the lighthouse after production wrapped but they said they couldn't do it because of safety reasons so they thought it was so cool they wanted to keep it for a tourist attraction well i thought the you know, you brought up the homoeroticism, Jesse. I thought it was fascinating how um, they both kind of fixated sexually on um, on the light. Well, really, literally, um, 
Willem Dafoe's character is fixated on the light and goes up there and um, takes his clothes off. Robert Pattinson is fixated on the mermaid, but then quickly rejects it, like is angry at himself or something. He's he he finds that he's um, there's a confluence of his attraction to this idea of a mermaid and also his well guilt. Erica, Erica I think some people are meant to be a bottom and some people are meant to be a top <laughs> what? and what are mermaids <laughs> well the mermaid Often. has no what I got was that yes he was fantasizing about the mermaid but he he then equated the mermaid was was the curse that Thomas right, the mermaid put on was him the curse. and so he yes. rejected it and he felt exactly. like he was making a stand for himself. That's right. That's where I was going before Mike um, <laughs> made a joke. We've also got some great uh, wildlife in here. This time, instead of uh, goats, we've got <laughs> some seagulls that yep. get mis mistreated and get some revenge. Yep, that's right. You it was a one-eyed bird, wasn't it? So Better Mike, did you back. like the film? What, what were your thoughts? Oh, I love the film. Yeah, I think Eggers is like just, you know, he he's just one of those directors to watch at this point, in my opinion. It's and I think that he's um, he's an he's an interesting director who has a lot of who puts a lot of forethought to the things that he's doing, but at the same time, he allows it to play jazz, and he's very aware of trying to make while he's sort of hitting upon like historical pieces, he wants to make it for a more contemporary audience, which I appreciate. Because sometimes I think directors and writers can get too much into the historical side of things, and it can be more of a methodical pace, and that might lose some of the audience. And I don't think he does that. Um, yeah, I, I, I was a fan of this. I think the witch is much more accessible than this. I mean, I love yeah, the I would film, with that. Yeah, but I did not program it because I didn't think any of our, our I didn't think our audiences would turn out for this. I, I would agree with you, John. That's probably fair. Yeah, yeah. So you could bring his boat friends. This is the be there. Invite the Coast Guard. This will be one of those movies, though. Maybe like 10, 15 years down the road, as as people see it, word of mouth. Like this will. I think this is going to get a cult following, like big time. Oh totally. yeah, for I sure. Agree. Um, all right. So everybody, except for maybe Jesus. Maybe Jesus is on the on the line. He's on the fence. I'm on. I'm on the line. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I give it a thumbs up. Yeah, huge, huge ups. And I would say on the second viewing, even though it's one that you should have seen in the theater because of the sound design and everything you guys talked about, um, it still played really well on a small screen. I liked it even more the second time. So I think the first time I saw it in a big screen, I didn't know what I was getting into. And I was just really overwhelmed by the sonic attack. And it's just so, you know, stimulating all around that um yeah i loved it but uh now i really really love it so great pick erica thank you i'm i really loved it i'm glad everybody liked it too so yeah, that was a good one so this week um we had a lot of people on facebook telling us what they watched this weekend probably because we had some rain we had a little bit of rain this weekend so there was some appropriate time spent indoors there, some people mentioned a few things that I'm interested in seeing. Um, Mary Beulah mentioned the show Upload on Prime. Has anyone 
heard about this or thought about this at all? I've been wanting to watch that. That's yeah. one show I've been wanting to watch for sure. Is that the one? So that's the makers of the the Office, right? Uh, I believe so. Apparently. Yeah, I think I it's know. the same. It's got the one same. of the one of the ML brother cousins. My my roommate started watching it, and I was like half listening, but I didn't get into it. It didn't grab you, huh? All right. Well, that was one. I it caught my eye, but um, so many so many things. I mean, The Last Dance. Lisa Knight was watching The Last Dance, and. Michael, my husband, also watching The Last Dance. Anyone else out there, sports fans, watching The Last Dance? I'm blown away. I'm blown yeah. away. That is so good. It's really yeah. good. But it's, it's only so on ESPN, good. right? It's not on Netflix yet. Right? It will be on Netflix. Netflix was part of the production that uh, part of the production has, but ESPN has. Uh, I'm waiting. It's on YouTube TV if you have it. No, my my six subscriptions are enough. I have no YouTube TV, no no need for ESPN. I'll I will wait. But good to hear you guys liked it. Well, there was um Mike actually signed up for Criterion Collection uh app this weekend because was did we do that to watch Rafifi Mike? I I've been chasing down this movie Rafifi forever and I just this week pulled the pulled the trigger and uh, so I watched Rafifi this weekend, which I loved and I knew I kind of was going to. And then uh, I'm started watching Until the End of the World, five hour uh, sci-fi odyssey. Uh, it's interesting. You I'm can't go with wrong it. with the Criterion Channel. I was impressed with Rafifi. It was the inspiration for Steven Soderbergh's Ocean's Eleven, and it. I mean, Soderbergh directly pulled a lot from Rafifi. It was, it was pretty cool. It was, it was fun to watch. It was definitely like the 1950s version of Ocean's Eleven. Um, nice. You know, way less technologically advanced, but a lot of the same char- type, character types and everything, like down to your Danny Ocean, down to the relationship of, you know, his ex-wife um, in a relationship with the boss, you know, the club boss. Well, Although I will say, I, I don't recommend uh, it if you are squeamish about uh, the poor treatment of women, because there's some beating of women that goes on, multiple. Uh, the treatment of women is very poor in this movie. There is a called again. Ocean's Eleven from like the 60s. Rafifi. It's and a French movie. That? R-I-F-I-F-I. As Mike said, it's a way of life. I, I thought Rafifi was I, a word for... That's that's not my saying. That is what that is what Rafifi is. It is a way of life. It is um, okay. it, it, it's a way it's of sort life. Sort of like yeah, it's the down and it's the down and dirty style and stuff like that. And like it's what the gangsters in um, sort of the uh, sort of the, the ghettos of uh, Paris like they live the Rafifi life. Mm. So it ranged from the General with Buster Keaton from Ed Frank, uh, which I thought was great. Greta Tupler said learning to skateboard in a war zone, which sounds really interesting. She watched that on Hoopla, which is um, the service that you can get through the Erie County Public Library. Pride and Prejudice 1995 for the millionth time, <laughs> said Jen Silfis, which is very, very good. I'm a big fan. Um, so there's a number of them too, like um, Never Have I Ever, Mira Kumar, watch that. I don't know, even know if that's a movie or, or a show. It's a Netflix um, original, I think. Um, the Morning Show. Marnie's watching The Morning Show on Apple TV. Troma's War. One Cut of the Dead. 
on the last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs, Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me. A lot of, you know, a lot of recommendations here. I would say anyone who listens to the podcast, go to our Facebook page and see what other people are watching and take your recommendations from that. Um, lots of great, uh, great things to look at. There was, was there a movie, there's a movie called Pacino? Yeah, they said it sucked. I didn't even hear yes. about it. I had never heard of it, but it got a really bad review from Bethany Lynn on yeah. our Facebook page. So. She didn't like it. I just seen Tom Hardy released his uh, Capone movie. I kind of want to check that out. Oh, okay. Where is it released? I don't know. I just seen it on YouTube, but it might be like on Prime and all those other. Um... I think it's a rent. A rent. rent. Yeah, yeah. It's a rent, a rent or buy. Yeah. Tom it's one Hardy. of my favorite actors. Fonzo. It's called Fonzo. He's a good-looking guy. Yeah, he doesn't look good-looking in this. No. We're talking about his acting, Erica. Yeah. That's right. Looks don't matter. Jesse, what do you got for us to watch this week? So I'm recommending the 2018 film Climax, which is available on Amazon Prime, directed by Gaspar Noe. And I, I actually have not seen this film, but I am a huge Gaspar Noe fan because I saw his film Enter the Void which is about uh, an American drug dealer in Asia who's killed. And the entire movie is the camera going through his out-of-body experience. So it was very cinematic uh, and had a lot of more symbolism in it. And so I, I really dug it. And so I just saw that this one was on Amazon and I really want to see it. And from what I've read about it, it was shot in a very short amount of time and the actors improvised almost all of it portrays a french dance troupe throwing an after party after their rehearsal and then things get a little dark when everyone starts getting paranoid and confused and agitated so i'm really curious to see what this is somebody messes with the punch at the party Ooh, i've seen it it's quite enjoyable um yeah great Great pick, Jesse. This is another one that I thought about programming for us, but um, wasn't sure how, how people I, would take it. Jesse, it's on Amazon Prime? Because this has been on my radar for a while. I haven't seen it yet. Yes. So, cause you got to be in a sort of a uh, frame of mind to watch his movies, too. Have you ever, has everybody here seen uh, Irreversible? I will not watch Ir Irreversible. <laughs> I will not watch. Why won't you watch it? Uh, that's one, it's one of the subject matters that I ooh. struggle watching on film. So it's it's not for the light of heart. Uh, what is it? <laughs> it's all built around a rape sequence that is very intense. Very very intense. Very uh, very prolonged. Very, very real. Uh, yes. And very uh, Vincent yeah, Cassell. Not a fan. You're Monica Bellucci. I like Vincent Cassell though. It, it's yeah, really. I do. I like him. It is well done. Uh, it's just, it's, and I understand, and having seen the film and I understand, uh, you know, I understand what he's going for and it, the message is there, but it's, it's hard. It's, it's, it's a very hard, it's a very hard movie to watch. He's a controversial filmmaker. He's very full of himself. Um, he, it's great. His movies are, uh, will push your buttons. So Climax is probably like his most fun film maybe um there for people who uh may be familiar with this filmmaker there is another film on netflix called love which love. is yeah basically a character driven 
porno pornographic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's shot in 3D, which would have been interesting to watch some of the sequences in 3D in the theater with people for sure. <laughs> Anyways. Wow. There, there yeah. is, I mean, it's 3D as in like there's the uh there's the semen coming at the lens and stuff like that. It's yeah. Wow. He goes right at it. He goes right at it, so to speak. Wow. Okay. Well, okay. The lighthouse had a scene that they had to take out because the investors didn't want an NC-17 rating. But the scene where uh, Robert Pattinson is... Enjoying himself? In <laughs> pleasuring himself uh, with the mermaid figurine. Um, they were going to show, like, the lighthouse, like, tilted, like an erection. And they were going to show him naked and with an erect penis. And um, yeah, that was going to be part of that. We almost it sounds like that. something out of a Mike Myers movie. <laughs> we almost got to <laughs> like, see the Batmobile. Oh man, I'll tell you. <laughs> Batmobile. Yeah. Well, good pick, yeah. Jesse. I can't wait to hear what everybody thinks of Climax. So that's been our episode. Thank you for joining us, Jesus Munoz. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, you guys. Jesus. No, thank you guys. Jesus, I love seeing you, but I still hate you. Our first guest we ever had back, back twice. <laughs> That's right, damn it. <laughs> you can purchase your virtual ticket for St. Francis through our website and Facebook page and join us this Wednesday at 8 p.m. for a panel discussion on the film. This is our last film under quarantine. Hope you will check it out. If you like good films, you should. Check out The Lighthouse on Amazon Prime and let us know what you think in the comments section on Facebook. Next week, our guest will be filmmaker Jason McCann. Make sure and follow us on social media. You'll find all the tags and links in the show notes for the episode. Until next time, this was Film Grain.